listening to The Jim Laird Show on Body IO FM, where health and performance collide with your host, Jim Laird. Hello and welcome to another edition of The Jim Laird Show brought to you by Body IO FM. I am Jim Laird, your host, and uh, kind of took a little break there because I got a little behind. Usually I try and stay a couple podcasts ahead, but uh, I got this nasty sinus kind of deal, uh, which I was quite happy to only have that because there was a lot of uh, a lot of flu going around Kentucky, and I didn't get that. I, I don't get sick very often, um, so I had this sinus stuff, but it made my voice sound absolutely hideous. So I was unable to do any uh, podcasts, and I fell behind. So I am uh, doing this little uh, show today. I've got a bunch of interviews lined up for this week. This is Friday. Just finished uh, working at the gym. Uh, Fridays are usually a pretty busy day for us. Uh, that's, you know, one of the deals when you're a operator slash owner or owner slash operator of a gym, you've got a lot going on. Um, so it makes kind of doing these podcasts a little uh, difficult at times, especially when you're, you know, booking uh, interviews, you know, people have schedules and it's it's tough to, to line everything up. So um, today I'm just going to chat about an interesting question that I had on Facebook uh, in the future, this it's Friday today, Tuesday, I'm going to be interviewing uh, Dr. Quinn Haniuk, who's a uh, physical, physical therapist. Um, <clears throat> he has an organization called Clinical Athlete, which he finds PTs that understand working with athletes. He also works uh, with juggernaut training systems. He works in their gym. So he works with a lot of really high-performance people like Chad Wesley Smith, a lot of Olympic lifters, power lifters. Uh, I've known Quinn for a long time. I met him in Louisville. And uh, he lives in California now, <clears throat> but he's going to be here this weekend for a seminar, uh, so I'll get to see him. But uh, we're going to be doing a recording on Tuesday evening. Um, I've been wanting to have interview him for a long time. He, uh, he has a really interesting perspective on assessments, and he has a lot of really practical things that you can do uh, to get people moving better. And <clears throat> his understanding of the, the balance between performance and health is, is pretty interesting and uh, very straightforward and, and I like it. So I think you guys will enjoy that interview. And then of course I got to catch up with Dr. Rocky and we're going to talk about uh, his thoughts on genetic testing and, and methylation and all that kind of stuff. And, and what he feels uh, are the pluses and minus of that, uh, that kind of ordeal. Uh, Kiefer and I have kind of been bouncing. We had a question on, on nicotine. Um, uh, somebody uh, sent in a question about how I use nicotine to help with my ultra colitis so I've been pinging back and forth with Kiefer, and he's kind of busy, of course, and we're going to get that done. And then I've got uh, my brain map stuff that I've been doing, uh, talk about that and how that's helped me as well and how that's kind of uh, helped me understand why I struggle with certain activities, things like organization and all that good stuff. But, um, you know, about a month ago, a month ago, maybe a little over a month ago, uh, I have a, a pug. I had a pug named Cousin. Uh, who was just about to turn 19, and he decided to go to sleep and not wake up. So uh, I put a thing on Facebook about that, and uh, you know somebody asked me, 
you know, about, you know, how, wow, that's almost a 19 year old pug. That's pretty crazy. And then, you know, I had, uh, about two or three years ago, I had a, a female, uh, pit bull, uh, named Lexi that, that passed and she was 19 as well. And then of course I've got my, uh, I've got two dogs left. I've got Rommel who's five and then I've got Patton who's 19. Uh, and all these dogs are, are, are dogs I got from shelters or rejects that uh, somebody else didn't want. The pug was a uh, product of a previous relationship <clears throat> that didn't work out, so I got stuck with the dog because pugs are generally they're great dogs, but not really. Uh, Pitbull, Pitbull boxer mix, uh, Pitbull type dogs are usually what I go for. They're super athletic, they're very loyal. Uh, they, I just really love their demeanor and their and their uh, they're so good with you, the the owner. Uh, and, and other people, you know, disregard them. So I like going and getting them from shelters. There's something like 23,000 pit bulls in shelters in Kentucky. Uh, and I'm sure in your state, there's probably the same. A lot of states have outlawed them, unfortunately. But um, the, this gentleman, I can't remember who it was, but they, they basically asked, wow, you've got three dogs that live to 19. How the heck do you do that? And, you know, obviously, you know, you can't you know, can't say, you know, what I do is absolutely right, but to have three dogs live to that age and, and, and die in a graceful way and not be just a complete mess, um, it's pretty cool. So I'm going to give, I'm obviously not a veterinarian. I'm not an expert on dogs, but I have spent a lot of time outside in the wilderness and I have been around, uh, nature a ton and, and from what I've observed. And, and so I have kind of my little formula uh, and most of these dogs I'd gotten from shelter, you know, that I think Lexi was like six or something when I got her and she wasn't in the greatest of health cousin. When I got him, he was extremely overweight. Um, and Patton was not in the greatest shape either when I got him. So I'm going to talk about like how I feed them and the kind of my philosophy on, on, on dogs. And, and, you know, this might be interesting to you. It might not be, but that's fine. Um, so, cause you know, like, uh, Kiefer has a really good article that he wrote for body IO um, that you can, I'm sure that we'll link in the show notes that you can check out about how he approaches feeding Cooper because, you know, um, as busy as I am and as, as big as my, my, uh, fast pace as my lifestyle is, I love being able to chill out with my dogs. I love taking my dogs hiking and taking them outside with me. And it's just nice to have that kind of unconditional love. You know, they love you regardless of, you know, just about anything that's going on. So, I love, I love dogs. It, it, you know, I've had up to eight or nine at a time, uh, cause I used to do foster, do foster dog, you know, I just take dogs in, but I just don't have the time to do that anymore. So I'm down to two. I'm pretty content with that <clears throat> for now. So it also makes going on vacation and things like that a little complicated. So the first thing I do that I think this is all my opinion, of course, I'm obviously not an expert on dogs or I'm not a veterinarian. So do your own research, take it with a grain of salt. Um, the first thing I do is I don't overfeed my dogs. You know, obviously when they're puppies and things like that, you need to feed them a ton because they're growing. But once they become adults, um, I usually feed them once a day, usually mid, you know, like sometime in the mid afternoon. Uh, that way they have plenty of time to go to the bathroom and do all that kind of thing. Uh, so they're not going to the bathroom in the middle of the night. Um, but, but I think most Americans like themselves overfeed and uh, if you look at like a lot of the animal studies that animals that are slightly underfed um, usually live longer. So uh, and, you know, there's food is not always available in nature. So I will feed them for a couple of days and then I might skip a day or I might I use um, 
There's a brand called Origin. I don't know if it's available everywhere, but there's a couple brands here in Kentucky that are local that have a lot of organ meats in them and cartilage, and they've got a little some vegetables and things because you know dogs are omnivores, but they they lean more towards a carnival or like a wolf or a coyote or something like that. So in nature, uh, just like with with humans, if you go back hundreds of years, food might not always be available. So um, you know you're not guaranteed to eat all the time. So I might feed my dogs for a couple of days and I might not feed them for a day. And I know people freak out on that. And I like my dogs a little bit on the, on the leaner side. Um, I like them running lean. Um, a lot of times before winter, I'll feed them a lot more because, you know, it's just naturally they're going to put on more, more body fat. But, so, you know, one day I might feed them a couple cups of uh, dry food, but I make sure, you know, if you go to a, like to Walmart or, you know, wherever, and you take up a bag of dog food, a like commercial dog food, and you look at the ingredients, it's like canola oil and rice flour and, and you know, all these different things that the dogs, like coyotes and wolves, they, they just don't eat. Like, you know, so you want to get dogs eating, uh, you know, like organ meats and, and cartilage and things like that. So I might feed them some dry food. A lot of them will have berries in them and different things, which is something they'll be, they would be exposed to in the wild. So I might feed them dry food for a day or two, and then I might give them some raw eggs. I'll, I'll go get to go to farmer's market, or I've got a client here that sells eggs. I'll get uh, her eggs, and I'll just throw those eggs on the ground, and they'll eat them. Yolk, they love it. They love the yolks. They eat. Sometimes they'll eat the shells. Sometimes they won't. Uh, sardines. I'll feed them sardines, a tin or two of sardines. And it's funny because my dog Patton, and I don't know how he did it. But he got up on the kitchen counter and got into the cabinet where I got the sardines and actually busted open tins of sardines. Didn't cut himself. I don't know how he did it. But they love sardines like you would not believe. Um, I also get chicken livers uh, from like the farmer's market and I'll feed them chicken livers from time to time. You know, organ meats are so if you look at a wolf or a coyote, they will eat the organs first. And they'll eat the bones, they eat like, like marrow and cartilage and things like that. They love, they love stuff like that. Um, so those are the things they eat first. You look at like Native American, uh, like Indian type tribes, the organ meats were what they ate. You know, they gave the muscle meat to the dogs. So uh, organ meats, uh, chicken livers. It's funny, though, my female dogs that I've had would never eat like Lexi would never eat chicken liver for whatever reason. Um, but my male dogs love chicken livers and they love sardines. Um I also get the treats made out of, uh, you know, beef liver. They have bison liver. I also go and get them big marrow bones. You can go to like a butcher and get big marrow bones and they will gnaw on those things. Like I never brush my dog's teeth. And when I, if I very rarely take my dogs to the vet, they, they very rarely get sick. But when they do go to the vet, they're always like, wow, how come their teeth are so clean? And like they chew on marrow bones all the time. So I'll give them a couple marrow bones a week. They'll work on getting that bone marrow out of there. For hours. Uh, they love it. So yeah, you know, I might do a couple days of dry food and then a day of sardines and then skip a day. Um, and, and then, you know, maybe some eggs and then some dry food. I kind of mix it up. I, I, I have some variation in their calories. They're not always getting an abundance. I make sure I don't overfeed them. If they, they're looking a little skinny, I'll feed them a little bit more. If we're a little bit active, more active, then we'll add a little bit more food. But it's definitely on the lower carbage side. The, some of the the dog foods I get might have some uh, some yams or I can't remember some of the other vegetables that they have, uh, but I try and stay away from like the rices and I try and stay away from like potatoes and and things like that. And you you look at a lot of the dog food has wheat flour in it, and 
I'm sorry, but dogs just don't eat wheat flour. And one of my biggest pet peeves is the vegetarian dog food uh, at the store. I, I just get so angry because dogs are not vegetarians. Uh, so I just get really pissed when I see vegetarian dog food when I'm at, you know, buying dog food. Um, so it's one thing for you to be a vegetarian if that's your deal and for religious reasons or you don't, you know, whatever. Um, if you are a vegetarian, I highly recommend The Vegetarian Myth. It's a great book. It talks about, uh, you know, the myths about vegetarianism and that, the fact that you actually, if you uh, support uh, commercial industrialized farming, you actually kill more animals than if you just ate a cow. But that's a totally different animal to, uh, ball path to go down. But the, one of my biggest pet peeves is when people impose their views and values on an animal, uh, you know, like trying to make a lion be a vegetarian. I mean, it's just ridiculous. So another big factor I think is exercise. So um, if you look at human beings, human beings are designed to do like low level manual labor all the time. You know, obviously we can adapt and there's, you know, we can adapt and be athletic and those sort of things, but we're designed to move, like Raw Bull said, as little as possible and eat as much as you can because the environment we grew up in, there was a, a, like a, a shortage of calories. And so you want to move as little as you can and eat as much as you can. Now, things are different now because we have an abundance of calories and then people don't move because we've outsourced everything. But if you look at coyotes and wolves, they just don't run for no reason. Like they run because one, they're either getting chased by something, but usually a predator, they're running because they're going to eat something. A lot of the times they're just laying around and chilling like lions and, and tigers. They just sit around and relax and then they go and they go after something and they get something to eat. They don't want to waste any energy. So I'm not a big fan of taking like I walk my dogs every day and I'll play with them in the backyard and play catch. But I'm not a big fan of like I don't run. This is just my opinion and my personal preference. I don't see people like running their dogs all the time. And then, of course, they're like my dog has hip dysplasia or my dog has an ACL. Like all my dogs, even the older ones, I mean, they got a little, you know, stiff and stuff, but they never had any major joint issues or anything until they were like really old and, and ready to pass uh, because I didn't excessively run them and I didn't excessively make them move around a ton. So we were active, but they would go out and sprint from time to time. I'd play catch with them and play tug of war with them. Um, and so I think a lot of people think they need to take their dogs out and just exercise them to death. But, uh, you know, depending on what dog you have, I mean, obviously a worker dog, is going to need to like a German shepherd is going to do a lot more labor, like putting a, like a, a vest with some water bottles in it and walking it and giving it jobs and things like that. Herding dogs need to herd. So they're designed to move all the time, all day. So you want to kind of, you know, obviously mix and match. I'm not saying your dog should just sit on its ass all day, but you don't want to over exercise your animal because that's just not the way, um, you know, carnivores in the wild, don't just run for no reason. They run because they're going to kill something. So there's no need reason to exercise the living daylight side of your dog. Um, that being said, um, if you have a herding dog and you live in an apartment, that's probably not a good fit. Or if you have like a Siberian Husky and you live in Tucson, Arizona, uh, I have a friend that has a Siberian Husky that lives in Tucson, Arizona, and he opens the freezer up and lets the dog jump in the freezer and he hangs out in there. But I have a couple friends that have herding dogs and what they do is they take their herding dog to a local farm and there's a lot of farms now that will actually, for a nominal fee, will let your dog herd their animals like sheep and stuff. And th th those dogs just love it. 
you know, they always wonder why in the hell, like, this dog is digging up the carpet in their corner. Uh, it's because they don't, they don't actually have a job, you know, because that's what they're, that's what they're designed to do. So part of my success, I think, is, you know, dietary. And part of it is, is I don't over exercise my dogs and I don't kind of take them out of what they're, uh, as far as long for longevity's uh, standpoint. Now, obviously, if you've got like a pit bull and you're, you know, trying to get as muscular as possible, and that's one of the nice things about pit bulls is they're very muscular. But if you're training it for something, you know, obviously like greyhounds and things like that, that's that's a totally different animal. But that's performance, and obviously when you push performance, longevity is is going to be sacrificed a little bit. But my dogs, lots of walking and lots of play and fun, and you know they're they're great they're perfectly fine and they get tons of sleep they chill in the sunshine they love being in the sun like they'll go outside and lay in the sun in the grass and and chill out and chew on their marrow bone and and all that sort of thing um so you know and, and having a dog is 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 a, is a huge commitment so uh, it's kind of like having having kids so you've got to you know make sure that they're getting plenty of water every day and plenty of attention and plenty of play and, and, uh, I mean, it's not for, for everybody. So there's my little take on that. And then once again, here's another short one for you. The next one with Quinn will be a lot longer. I guarantee it. So once again, if you have any suggestions, uh, for topics for the show, I do my best to try and accommodate those for you. Um, and, um, yeah, you can check out my blog at jimlaird.org. That's J I M not G-Y-M. And of course, the gym uh, website is G-Y-M-L-A-I-R-D.com. One thing that I've been doing lately that's really helped me was like floating like 20 or 30 minutes a day. Like every afternoon, I found that if I float for like an hour or 90 minutes, which is like kind of like the prescribed times, it just relaxed me too much. I actually couldn't go back to work. So recently I've been floating for like 15 to 30 minutes and I know that's not attainable for a lot of people, but, um, um, I've been doing that and it's made a huge difference for me and how I feel. Um, so I'll get in that float tank for 15 or 20 minutes, maybe 30 tops. And that's really helped me, uh, in the afternoons. And, you know, obviously not everyone has access to a float tank, but there's one app that I really recommend. It's called brainwave and, you know, I can't emphasize enough how much chilling out and relaxation, how important that is for your health. And if you just take 10 or 15 minutes a day, it doesn't have to be the float tank. It can be laying outside in the grass. It can be, you know, using Brainwave. Brainwave has it's a binaural beats program. You have to wear headphones. It has all these different settings to help your brain kind of trick your brain into what, you know, a calm reflection, focus, deep relaxation, meditation, all these different things. And if you just sit still and lay down and relax for 10 or 15 minutes every day, it'll make a huge difference for you. And um, I know I, I, I harp on this and I beat on this all the time, but Western culture, um, we're so addicted to just go, 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 go. And I've said this before many times on the show, you know, I got it from Paul Check. If you want to work out, you've got to work in. And, you know, that, that relaxation component, shutting down, that is key. You know, if you got a car that's got bad brakes, bald tires, and a bad transmission, the key is not driving it faster to make it better. The key is to repair all that stuff. And when you rest and relax, 
is when all that restoration and repair uh, happens. But I know that has nothing to do with dogs, but it just, for some reason, I decided to go off on a tirade on that, on that note. So once again, thanks for listening. Uh, check out my blog, check out the gym website, gymlaird.com. Please continue to support Kiefer and his endeavors so I can continue to do the show. And I look forward to getting ahead of the curve and caught up on, uh, on these interviews and shows. So I hope you guys have a, a great day slash night slash morning evening. And thanks again for tuning into another edition of the Jim Laird Show. been listening to the jim laird show with your host jim laird if you'd like to hear more log on to body.io don't miss the next episode of the jim laird show when he'll probably say something inappropriate but unexpectedly insightful